I'm excited about today. I really am. I think today's going to be a great day. I want to welcome in Long Beach and Wiggins. We're excited that you are with us. Come on, Northwood Church. Can we give it up? Come on. Got some people in the room, all three locations. Um, you know, we're excited to be able to meet together in spite of everything that's going on. Uh, come on, COVID-19 is, is, is dealing something to us all. And so we're having to, to kind of pivot. And we, we're just taking it week to week and how we do church. This week, didn't have to register to show up. Come on, a little bit easier, right? And uh, so we're, we're excited about that. Today, we're going to be wrapping up our series in the book of Ecclesiastes, What's the Point? And so if you have your phone and if, you've, um, if you can you know, open up version, the app, you can go ahead and follow along in our notes there in the events. Uh, but if not, we'll have some points on the screen and scriptures that you can read along with. But before we get to today, today's message, I want to share a couple of things with you, a couple of exciting things. Number one is this. We have been planning to launch our fourth location for, uh, for quite, a, quite a few months now. Actually, it's probably into the good old like year and a half now of, of saying a date and then kind of getting postponed because of different reasons. And so today, I wanted to talk to you about kind of where we're at with our Ocean Springs location. And uh, th- this is really our tentative launch date is January 17th, 2021, 2021. So uh, come on. We are, uh, we're ready, and I mean, come on, we've got over 60 people on the launch team right now, and they're raring to go. We kind of had to pivot away from August launch, given everything that's going on right now, but we are planning uh, for January to be the launch date uh, there on the 17th. Uh, we've actually installed a sound system. We've got the lighting right. We, we've, uh, there in the Civic Center in Ocean Springs, um, just a wonderful facility. Um, you know, months ago, uh, actually, last year now, whenever we first walked into the Ocean Springs Civic Center, we were looking for a place possibly to, to start having church. And, and as soon as we walked in, it was, you ever, okay, if you ever bought a house, you know when you, bought, like, you walk into that house and you're like, this is the one. Like, this is it, you know what I'm saying? That's how it felt whenever we walked up into the uh, Civic Center. And so it's been great to kind of see it come together. And uh, we, we had a sound check there a few weeks ago. Uh, and uh, I tell you, you could, it felt like church a little bit. Come on, it, started, it was like, oh my goodness, let's get this thing going. So, so we're excited about that and uh, looking forward to, uh, to having church there, seeing people come to know Christ. You know, Pastor Stephen and Amy DeFazio are the, uh, you know, they're our, our, our campus leaders there for, uh, for that location. And so they're doing an incredible job. And, um, you know, also there's momentum beginning to build. You know, you can kind of feel it, right? They had their um, uh, uh, launch party last week and it's beginning to to feel, I guess it probably felt a little bit like church last week too, huh? I wasn't there. So I saw the pictures. It looked good. But, um, but again, looking forward to January. This is what I want to ask you all to do. I want to ask you to pray, pray, because again, like we said a few months ago, we are in a spiritual battle. And so whenever we say that we're going to take ground, we're going to move forward in the kingdom of God, uh, that's an assault to the enemy, right? And so we don't want to take that lightly. This is a big deal. We're going and we are stepping out in faith to expand the kingdom of God. And so I want to ask you to pray over the launch team, pray over uh, to Stephen and his wife, Amy, and, uh, and pray over the church as a whole, you know, because uh, we're, we're in a fight, right? So next thing is this. 
This coming Saturday is Serve Day. That's right, we're still having Serve Day. Did you know that you can still serve the community in a pandemic? Like, it's possible. So we're doing it this coming Saturday, July 25th, uh, in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach. We are going to be serving in some different schools in our area, uh, helping out. You guys know, man, what a big deal it is to, to show up to school. And uh, man, the, the bushes are trimmed, right? Everything's in order. Stuff is painted. It's looking clean for everybody to show up. Hopefully, we'll see what goes on with... Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, man, everything's crazy right now. But we're still going to go out there. We're going to serve our community. And this is what I want to ask you to do. I know it's hot. We, we are in South Mississippi. Everybody knows it's hot. But we're going to go out there and we're going to serve. And I'm going to ask you to go ahead and sign up, northwood.church slash serve day. Go out there and serve. By the way, Ocean Springs, we're going to be uh, serving in The Lord is My Help, which is a, uh, like a local food pantry. But they also deliver food and meals to many, did you say 200 meals every day? 200 meals a day they serve in Ocean Springs. And so we're going to go and serve them, <laughs> help them out with some things. And so, but I want to encourage you to sign up. We've got a pretty good showing of people so far, but we really could use a few more uh, to, make it, to make it tick, to make it work just right. And so, uh, so please go there and sign up, northwood.church slash serve day. All right, you ready? All right. Today, uh, last week, I, I kind of, at the end of the service, I asked that you guys would all come ready, prepared to hear what we had to talk about today. Um, I know those of you in Long Beach and Wiggins did not hear that, but, uh, but I really, I wanted you to understand that today, for me, is uh, it's sort, of a, sort of a big message. It's a big message, not just because we're wrapping up Ecclesiastes, but also I want to share my heart and some things that I hope will provide some clarity for you as members of Northwood Church in how we as leaders and teachers approach how we teach and preach and lead this church. Um, and, and so I hope that, that that's, that's accomplished by the time that we leave here today. It's also why I wanted to live feed to all three locations so you could hear my heart, see my face when I say it, and, uh, and, and I think that we'll be better for it. But the book of Ecclesiastes is written from the perspective of a teacher or a preacher sharing his life experiences with, uh, with, with a, a group of people, maybe a classroom or maybe a church like this. And it's believed to be written by King Solomon, about 99% sure it's him. And, uh, but, but he wrote this book and he was the wisest man that ever lived. He asked God for wisdom. God granted him wisdom. And so he led in that way. He didn't always make good choices. And that's why this book is so good because Solomon didn't always make good choices, but we can learn from the knots on his head. You all right? You get what I'm saying? Like, like I think, I think our, our nation, we probably need to learn from some knots in other people's heads at times, but, uh, but we, need to, we need to embrace that. So that's why I love this book. What's funny is a lot of people that I've talked to have said this is kind of the book that they just skip over. You know, it's like, oh gosh, it's Ecclesiastes. It's so depressing. You know, let me, let me skip to Ecclesiastes and get to some other good books. Um, for me personally, it's always been a book that I've loved. Um, I just love the rawness of it. I love, I love how real uh, he is and, and how he just talks about life. And so this series is what's the point? What's the point of life? What's the point of the things that we see and do and, and how frivolous life can be if there's not a real meaning, a real purpose to it? And of course, for us as believers, the purpose of life ultimately is to glorify God, to live for Jesus. And, uh, and that's for his, his glory and our good. And so today, we're wrapping up the book of Ecclesiastes. And today is, is about this. What's the point of preaching? What's the point of preaching? I mean, do you guys ever actually kind of realize what's happening right now? <laughs> You've all gathered 
to worship, yes, to come together, but also to hear someone that's prepared a sermon, a message, a teaching, share that teaching with you. And then it affects your mind and your heart. And then you go back out to live your life in order to take what you learn and to implement it into your life, right? Like that's what we do every week. And, it, and it's wonderful, but, but what's the point? And again, I hope that today, maybe you'll kind of understand the point of how we approach teaching and preaching at Northwood Church. And maybe it'll shed some light on some things that, that we do. But, but preaching is one of the main responsibilities of being a pastor. Now, truth be told, I actually didn't want to be a pastor. Growing up, um, I grew up in a pastor's home. So therefore, because I grew up in a pastor's home, I knew that that's the one profession I did not want to do. I knew it. I was like, not that my parents were bad pastors. They were great, great pastors. But at the same time, it's a very unique position to be in. We don't sell a product here, right? If the money's not good, you don't just up the, up the price on the product. You, don't, you know what I'm saying? It's not a business. It's the kingdom of God. And, and you're, you're, you're in charge of this organization, okay, of this, this although, of course, let me, for all my theological people, this is God's church, right? This is the body of Christ. However, God chooses certain people during certain times, and he places certain people at the, the front of the, the pack, right? The front of the line. And so growing up, I saw that, and uh, it was, I just saw it as a tiring profession, <laughs> Very vulnerable place to be. Every week, a pastor gets up at all of our locations and they share their heart with you. Vulnerable, totally exposed. And even in times like this, where pastors are receiving the most criticism, it's out of control, okay? Uh, politicians and pastors, y'all, are getting crucified left and right. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. But anyway... Um, so, so with that, we, uh, we, we get up, we, we share our heart. And uh, the thing about preaching that's so difficult is, is because whenever you preach, you have some that say, you know, amen. And you have others that say, mm. Mm. it's kind of like, a, what is it, the gladiator or the, the king or the emperor? He's like, mm. you know, it's like you preach and you just like, yep, yep, I disagree, you know. Preaching, preaching, pastoring. Today I brought with me three pictures, and you're like, what in the world? Is Jordan taking up art? Nope, I'm not. I am not an artist by any means, but these three pictures are actually, uh, they're really special here to Northwood Church because these three pictures uh, have been around for a long time. Now, if you've been in the church for a long time, you've seen these pictures a bunch, right? They were hanging on the hall in building two for years. Like, I, I, I used to come in the summertime and hang out at the church, and so I'd walk through the hall and I'd just stare at them. And uh, so it's, what it is, it's three pictures of a shepherd and three different functions of a shepherd. And these three pictures were actually given to my dad, who was pastor here for almost 30 years, by his pastor, Pastor Ed Bledsoe. And, uh, and they've been kind of in a closet for a while. And the other day, we were cleaning out some stuff. And, and there they were. And, and I thought, man, what a great time to pull it out whenever we're talking about what's the point of preaching and pastoring and, and, and putting all these thoughts together. And also, I think it'd be a great opportunity for me to kind of share again, my heart with some things, because I want you to understand me. I want you to understand the pastors at this church and, and our hearts and what we do. And again, these three different pictures of a pastor. Number one is this. It says leader at the bottom. 
leader, a, a shepherd leads. Now, the word pastor is also kind of intertwined with shepherd in the Bible. It's, it's kind of the same picture. And so pastors are shepherds. They are leading the flock. The flock, we use that term a lot, the flock. Uh, I like our security team. They use the term flock a lot. I'm here to protect the flock. You know, I like it. I like it. I'm like, yeah, we need some protection. And so, but, but at times, a pastor leads. He stands out front. He says, this is where we're headed, and, and let's go. And then the next thing is this, where a pastor exhorts. He exhorts. He, he also he spends time with the sheep. He, he's with them. He bandages their wounds, right? He's with them, living life with them, exhorting them on how to live. We're actually going to be speaking a lot more about exhort later in the sermon. And the third thing is that the pastor, the shepherd, protects. He's a protector, and he's got this staff, and he's swinging at these wolves. And in the background, you can see the, the flock of sheep who are in the back. I think the third one is probably the most difficult picture because as a pastor, sometimes you're not sure if you're protecting the sheep from a wolf or from other sheep or a wolf in sheep's clothing. You're not quite sure. And so there you are. You're like, I'm going to lead well. I'm going to serve well. I'm going to exhort. And I'm also going to stand in very uncomfortable positions between the sheep and the wolves. And I'm going to take it on the chin for them so they don't have to, right? So shepherds stand in very vulnerable positions. And this right here is a picture of where we live, pastors, every day. If you only knew what a pastor thinks about when they wake up at 3.30 in the morning. They're not thinking about what the weather's going to be like. They're not thinking. They're thinking about how, how is everybody doing? How are my leaders doing? How, are people healthy? Are, there, are, there, are they staying? Uh, are, they, are they living right? You know, man, these people, I know, man, that person, they got cancer. How are, how are they doing right? What's going on right now? And, and, and you wring your, your hands and, because you care about the people that you're leading. But sometimes that care has to turn to a staff where you're swinging it. You're protecting. Sometimes, did y'all know sheep bite? Yes. They're, they're, they're angry little animals at times. <laughs> Right? And they, they bite and they, they snip and they, pastors, especially right now, are getting bit by the sheep in the church. And sheep is not a condescending word. I hope you don't take it that way because we use that as a condescending word. The sheep is what the shepherd gives his life, who he gives his life for. He's willing to give it all for him. He loves them. And, and as, as, as pastors, um, I mean, I could, I could kind of lump politicians into this to a certain degree as well, but the, the overwhelming amount of backseat pastors right now is overwhelming. I mean, it's, it's out of control. I was just talking to somebody earlier, and I said, man, it's amazing how many people are just able to like, be president or, or be a pastor, but yet they've never been either of those. They have no idea what it means. They have no idea what you deal with. It's like me trying to go be a professional baseball player. I have, like, literally, I haven't trained for that. I'm not in it every day. I just, you know, but yet, guess what? I sit on the couch, and I watch the game, and I'm like, why didn't he just, like, throw the fastball just a little bit up in the corner? He keeps missing it to the left. What's wrong with him? You know what I'm saying? What's wrong? Criticism. This nation is at an all-time high 
uh, ability to criticize, but it seems to be at an all-time low to create. All-time high to throw stones, all-time low to go and actually sit with people and ask them how they're doing. It's a very, very difficult time to be a person, to be a citizen, but today I'm talking about what it means to be a pastor. It's difficult. Oh, by the way, James 3.1, I forgot to mention this when it comes to preaching. It says this, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that you, we who teach, will be judged with greater strictness. That's another one of those verses that wakes you up at, at 2.30 in the morning and you say, dear Jesus, help me. Pastoring and preaching carries a lot of weight, especially now. With uh, the COVID situation, there's a lot of people who have all the answers about what to do, how to open up church, how to close church, what the church is doing, what the government's trying to do to the church through COVID. A lot of people, I have a lot of opinions about that as well. I'm not going there today, but a lot of opinions, right? Pastor, you should do this. And if you don't, well, you're not leading well. You're living in fear. Pastor, you should do this. You should close everything down. If you actually cared about the people in your church, you would close everything down. You're putting them at risk. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Right? All the stuff that's going on in, in society in regards to racial tension. Pastor, you should be involved in this. You should say this. Pastor, you shouldn't be a part of this at all. You should actually ignore it. <laughs> Thanks. You see, pretty much anybody that's in leadership right now in any part of our country is, is you're in a lose-lose. You're in a lose-lose. It doesn't matter what you do. It literally doesn't matter what I say today. There are people who are going to take what I say and they're going to bend it and they're going to, they're going to misconstrue it, misunderstand it, and use it against me. It happens every week. Every week. Dad preached for 30 years. It happens every week. It doesn't matter how you word it. Oh, uh, if you would have just read one more scripture below that, you would have really got where I, you would have, you know? Today, I don't have very many notes because I'm just going to let it fly. Is that all right? I'm going to let it fly a little bit. There you go. Let it fly. Actually, that's kind of how I feel a little bit inside, just expressing it. I've said things and will continue to say things that people disagree with or misunderstand because it's part of standing in front of people and preaching. And I'm actually okay with that. I'm okay with that. However, we will maintain unity here as a church. We can disagree and not divide nor dishonor. All right? Everybody's got their preferences. Everybody's got their opinions. So what do we do with all this? With all of this stuff, how do we as preachers, how do we put this together? What's our thought process? Well, I want to start and answer the question, what's the point of preaching? And this is the point of preaching. It's to teach people wisdom using wise words that point them to Jesus and call them to fear and obey God. If you had to just sum it up, if you just had to put it all together, this is really where it's at. And every time that we as teachers and preachers stand before you, this is our heart. My heart is not to convince you to vote a certain way. It's really not my heart. 
My heart is not to choose a side. It's really not my heart. My heart's way beyond that, way beyond that. It's how you think. It's how you approach life. It's how you see the Bible, the, the, the world through a biblical lens. And so what's the goal of preaching? Well, I want to share with you three goals of a preacher. Number one is this, to instruct, to inform you about a subject, to teach you about a subject, and not just to teach you from our own opinion, but to teach you from a biblical perspective. Chapter 12 in Ecclesiastes, verse 9 and 10 says this, besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. Try to find the right words in the right way, but yet to convey and to teach a certain point, to teach knowledge and truth, to teach biblical knowledge and biblical truth to the best of our ability. There are thousands upon thousands of different denominations in the world right now, in our faith, thousands, which means there are many more than that of opinions and approaches to how to interpret certain parts of the Bible, right? So if you Google any topic, you're going to find every single thing under the sun, <laughs> every different doctrine. Here at the church, we, we seek to weigh and to study and arrange Many proverbs, many thoughts, many topics, arrange them, choose the right, choose the, the, the main ideas and to teach them from a biblical perspective. To, a word that we use a lot is to distill things down to, a simp to the simplest form. But let me tell you something, it is impossible to teach on subjects and exhaust them on a Sunday morning. Literally impossible. So many times whenever we're preaching, we're teaching, we, 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 there's this one topic and, and we say like three or four things about it and then we move on. But in our heads, in our hearts, it's like, oh my gosh, there's so much more, right? There's so much more to talk about. But on a Sunday morning, it has to be distilled and brought and contextualized through a biblical lens. Now, here's the deal. We live, and I've said this a lot, but we live in the information age, Right? Everybody's got access to information. It's, in, it's, it's crazy. It's actually probably negative. It's so much. So what happens is somebody's got to take that information and contextualize it, distill it down to a simple form in order to communicate something. And here's the deal. Those people who are, who are contextualizing and distilling down things in our culture are winning the fight. They are winning the war of the mind with people. But there's a whole lot of people contextualizing things in certain ways, certain standpoints, certain philosophies. And so what we have to do as people, as pastors, as preachers, we have to take culture and we have to run it through the filter of the word. We have to do that. I, saw, I heard somebody recently say, every pastor should have a newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other. Because everything that you hear and see, you've got to run through what does the Bible say about that? Here's an attitude, here's an approach, here's a cultural topic, whatever. What does the word of God say about it? Where did this happen in scripture? What is God's word to me about this? You have to filter everything through that. And as teachers, that's what we desire to do, to instruct you from a biblical perspective, not a political perspective. Okay? Does that make, I hope that makes sense. Because I know so many people want me to say certain things. They want me to just say it, say it. Take that side. 
No. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, man. Just no. Because it's not the main topic. The main topic is not who's president, y'all. It's not the main topic. We are involved in something much deeper than that, believe it or not. And I, w- I, w- I wish that talking to Christians, that we were on the same page when it came to that, but it's not the case, y'all. It's not the case. We have Christians who would wave the American flag far above they would wave the word of God, way much more. They would stand for their American citizenship much more than they do being in the kingdom of God. Or worse, they marry it together and they interweave it to where you can't tell the difference. And it's one and the same. It's not one and the same. Do I love America? Yes, I do. I am proud that I'm here in America. However, I hope you guys believe that we're in something bigger than that. Biblical perspective helps you to get to that place. I got to keep moving. We will deal with cultural issues from a biblical lens. At Northwood Church, we are going to teach about things from a biblical lens, even if it's a hot topic. A few weeks ago, um, we got to the message on politics and justice. And, and I said this before the message, um, which a lot of people didn't even listen to because I've asked people and they, they never saw it and never watched it. It's funny because people think they, that you know, <laughs> they know what you think, but then they don't actually listen to what you write. It's, oh, you said this. Well, did you go and, and watch? No. I don't, I don't know, man. Right? We talked about politics and justice and... and uh, it was just in line with something that we had planned to do two months before that. So it wasn't like, oh, this is a good time to let's talk about the hot topic. Yeah. No, it was just what, that was, what was next in line. And so we talked about it. And I believe for a lot of people, it gave you a, lot of, a much different perspective in what we're facing. But for others, it's, in, in, it's impossible to take the political lens off and see words biblically, defined biblically, Right? But we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to teach on things, whether it's uh, safe or not, because I really believe that we need to be taught about what's going on in culture from a biblical lens. I just, I believe that. The Bible deals with racism, deals with sexuality, deals with greed. The Bible deals with these things. And so if we teach the Bible, we are going to deal with all of these things. Right? We're not going to shy. I'm not just going to say, I'm not just going to preach Philippians. You know, you can do all things through Christ. Amen. Everybody's excited and we leave and we actually didn't talk about anything. Some people would rather go to a church like that. There's just not many things talked about. We're going to be a little bit different. It's what, it's what, it's what we're going to do. <laughs> right? And you're like, why is he saying all this? Because it needs to be said. It needs to be said. Sermons also aren't always about learning something new. All right, so this is something that's funny. At times, people sit and they, uh, today we're going to talk about love. Off. They just click off, right? I already know about love. God loves me. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 
Did you know that, that sometimes sermons, listening to sermons are actually about being reminded of something? Did you know that I need to be reminded every single day about the good news of Jesus Christ? I need to be reminded every day about the gospel. Did you know that? All of us do. It's not like you hear it once, you pray the prayer and then, all right, good, next thing. That's a consumeristic approach to your relationship with God. No, 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 no. It's an everyday thing. Every week we come together, you may hear the same verse. We're about to read some more scripture here in a second. You probably have read these before. It's about being reminded, reminded. So every time you come, it might not be about learning something new. It might be being reminded of something that you already know. But we also can't assume that everyone knows about the things we know about, right? So you might know about it. You might have studied it for decades. But there's somebody sitting next to you that's never heard it put like that before. And it's a revelatory day for them, right? We also need to hear teachings to be able to think through these things in order to share with other people. The first goal of a preacher is to instruct. The next goal is to admonish. And this is to warn about something to be avoided, to warn. So we want to teach, but then also we want to warn, warn. Verse 11, the words of the wise are like goads, which is like things that you drive cattle with, pointed sticks, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd, God. My son, be aware of anything beyond these, of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. So basically, the preacher wants the people to know that the words he uses will not always be easy to hear, but they are wise and true because they are the word of God. And anything beyond the word of God has to be weighed, has to be, has to be measured against the word of God. So like, so like if, if we're teaching directly out of the word of God, we're supposed to learn and, and those are wise words and anything in addition to those, we are still to weigh to the word of God. It is the plumb line. And anything beyond that, we've got to be weary of. We've got, to be, we've got to be aware of, and we can't go hook, line, and sinker into those things. We must be warned of that. There are so many philosophies in our world. And every philosophy is being platformed. It's being, it's being pushed. There are, there are strong beliefs that, are, that sound so good. There's truth interwoven in there, but as you play it out, you begin to realize that it deviates from the word of God. And we as Christians, we need to be warned of those things. And that's what pastors do. They warn you of dangerous thoughts and ideas and, and uh, heresy. That's what pastors do. They study, they pray, they talk to other pastors, they learn, they read commentaries, they study the word of God and they distill it together and they say, hey, look, this right here, we wanna teach you on this, but we gotta warn you about the dangers. Y'all hear me talk all the time about extremes. All the time about extremes. Because in extremes, typically there is massive error. Politically, you can look at it, right? You got, you got communism and fascism, right? And what's crazy is they both look the same, and you got both sides that are actually saying, you know, you guys are going into communism, and this one, you're going into fascism, right? It's extremes. 
By the way, side note, I want to remind you again about algorithms and social media. So what happens is whenever you read one article or you like one article, the algorithm starts feeding you more, right? So if you get super conservative or super liberal friends, it keeps feeding you that. So then you end up thinking that everybody's opinion is that and anything that's outside of that is completely like, like not just a little bit off, but like, you know, way, like, whoa. And what it does is it inflames your emotions in your heart and it's all right here. It's propaganda is what it is. Did you know that there's conservative propaganda and there's liberal propaganda? We're eating it. I've got friends who are very liberal and very conservative. And last night it was, it was just funny seeing, seeing some posts. And I was like, man, they're actually saying the same thing just from different ends of the spectrum and very, very charged about it. Is there danger on both ends? Absolutely. Absolutely. In the church, though, theologically, there's danger. But the problem is, is that a lot of people don't know theology as much as they know politics. So they don't realize the danger in their theology or their philosophy because who cares about that? But whenever it comes to politics, they see the extremes and they get fearful because they've seen it in history, but they're just totally missing the danger that's before them. That's actually the more, the bigger danger, which is the thinking, the philosophy that's driving those things. And for me, I care more and, and, and what keeps me up at night is, is the philosophy of men, not the politics of men the philosophy undergirding it. And right now in our country, there are some very powerful organizations that are pushing ideologies that are completely against the word of God. But there's parts of truth in what they're saying, absolutely. But there's other things that are attached to it that you're gonna see in the next few years. It, it, it's already in the last, in the last two months, the plates of our nation philosophically have, have completely shifted, completely shifted. And there's confusion around what's going on because people don't understand the philosophy that's actually driving it. But once you understand the philosophy, I'm not talking about the politics, I'm talking about the philosophy of it. You understand where there's truth and where there's, uh, there, and it's, it's all weighed up against the Bible. Anybody that pushes things like hatred, sexuality that's against the word of God, how the word of God defines sexuality, in, any, any of those things, is off. It's off. It doesn't matter what side of the line it's on. We've got to be careful. This is one example of what a pastor does. Warn and admonish. The difficult thing is as a pastor, um, a lot of people are like, yeah, 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 you're, you're warning me about that, but let me tell you what, let me warn you. And then you have this this competition about what to be warned about, right? And that's one thing, that's why we don't get super political because there's a thousand different ways to look at things. But you tell, I tell you what I will die on a hill for. The philosophy of people whenever it's against the word of God. That's something that, nope, we're not gonna give in on that. Does it make sense? Does it make sense a little bit? The problem with this though, and then I'll move on to the last point, is that overall, uh, the church is accepting a lot of worldly philosophies, a lot. And um, you know, it's disheartening in one sense, but in another sense, um, I see a lot of people that are, are beginning to understand what's going on to a greater degree. 
I've been, uh, let, me, let me sidebar. I, I've had some conversations even this past week. Um, I had a conversation with uh, five different pastors, uh, black and white, which was incredible guys that are just, you know, uh, just incredible men of God. And um, we had conversations around what's going on in our nation right now and even locally and what the church's role is. And we're going to continue to have some conversations. I'm excited about that. But, he, but actually getting in a conversation with people who, um, who some people would say you're on different sides and realizing that you're not, right? I talked to people in our church who are professionals in their, uh, their fields, whether it be law enforcement, criminal justice system, education, business in our area, decades of experience and talking to them about their, their personal experiences and also talking to them about what's going on in our area. And uh, let me tell you something, guys. There are more people who are fighting for unity and actually are seeing eye to eye than are not. Just so you know that. But what happens is we read, we watch the, 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 the worst case scenario and we think that that's where everybody's at. It's not true. But doesn't it sound like something the enemy would want to do? Yes. To make everybody think that everybody's completely divided and then we're only divided here like in some weird place in our mind but it's not even reality. But guess what? It becomes reality. It becomes reality. All right. To admonish we want to instruct, we want to admonish, and the last thing is we want to exhort. And this is strongly encourage someone to do something. So we want to teach you about a subject, we want to warn you about things to be, uh, to be avoided, and then we want to, to exhort you, we want to encourage you to do something, right? Verse 11, again, the words of the wise are like goats and like nails firmly fixed with the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. Verse 13, the end of the matter... All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Now, one thing I want to say quickly is this. Hey, guys, everything that's going on in your life, everything that's going on in our society, take heart. God has overcome the world. And guess what? He's got the final word. Okay? He's going to judge every man, woman, every child, all of us, according to our deeds. He, there's something in the future. He's got it. You don't have to be God. Come on, everybody, everybody, come on, just real quick. Just go. Wait. Sorry. You, you don't have to be the, the judge, jury, executioner. You don't have to be all that. You don't have to do it on social media. You don't have to do it whenever your family gets together and things start getting weird. Guess what? You can literally let your opinion get right here and just swallow it. It's amazing. And then you move on to the next subject and it's all good. We can, we can do it, guys. God's going to judge all things. But we want you to, to do something. We want to exhort you to do something. And ultimately, it falls under this, to trust God and obey to trust God and obey him. One theologian put it like this. He said, fear God means to put God in his proper place, us in our proper place, and all fears, hopes, dreams, and agendas in their proper place. Obey him out of love and respect for who he is and what he has done. You see the order, don't you? 
I am accepted, therefore I obey. It is not I obey so that I can be accepted. He loved me first. I now love and serve him in grateful response. This is what we want you to do, but not do out of a duty, but do out of the the reality of what God has done for you out of response to those things. If we are taught about the gospel and we're, and we're warned about what is a false gospel or, or what might be outside of a biblical approach to gospel, what do we do? We respond out of being taught that and being warned about the dangers. And then we are, are released to go and to, to, to express and to live out that truth in our daily lives. This is like a, a gathering where we get together and we get pumped up We get revved up and then we go and as everybody says all the time, to be the church, like to to be the church, not just attend, but be. Whenever we attend, it's wonderful. But if it doesn't actually get outside of the walls in our hearts, it doesn't, we don't take it where we go, then it's really pointless. We need to hear, we need to be taught. By the way, everything that I'm saying that we do, I get the same thing from some other guys in my life. Don't worry. I get admonished and exhorted quite often. (laughs) I was getting exhorted for an hour on a Zoom call Friday morning. Like, we all need it. We need to be instructed. We need to be admonished and we need to be exhorted. And so as a church, guys, you know, again, today was kind of more of a, I'm just like, just dumping my heart, honestly. I think if, if, if everyone understands our approach to why we teach the way that we teach, the small groups that we have, the conversations that we have, and some other environments that I'm even believing that God, I think God's put on my heart to have as a church, the goal of all of it is to, to point people to Jesus. I also wanna say this, young people, uh, you guys are so inundated with certain thinking patterns that are, that are very unbiblical. It's, it's 10 times worse than I was when I was a teenager 20 years ago or, or you know, a little bit less than that, I'm 35 now. So whenever I was in high school and stuff, I mean, we didn't have access to the things that, that young people have nowadays. And parents, I think it's important for you to know, like you've got to learn how to have conversations with your kids. Like you got to learn how they think so that where you can, you, can, you can help them. A lot of things are built around sexuality, that the things that are being pushed We've got to have these tough conversations. We've got, to, uh, we've got to be taught. We've got to be warned about what's going on. And we've got to be uh, exhorted to, to do something about it. It's our heart as pastors. We want to lead. We want to exhort. We want to protect. So as members of this body, you know, I, I, I want to ask you to be in unity in that. I, I want to ask you to be a part of this. And I want to ask you that if you have issues with something, that you actually go to your leader, that you actually go to your pastor and you talk to them and you don't talk to other people. The other word for that is that you don't gossip. We're not doing that. This is a safe place. This church has never had a split, never had a financial fallout. We've never had any of that because we've always had good, strong leadership. 
And that's what, that's what this place is. It's a place where there is safety, where you could confess your faults one to another and be healed, where other people can, can attach themselves and be grafted into this body and know that they are not gonna be judged and they're, they're not gonna be misused or abused, where they're gonna be loved. That's, that's the type of place that we're building here. And so if you wanna be a part of that, then keep coming. And if you don't, we love you. We love you. The doors are always open. We're gonna be a church that glorifies God and loves people. That's what we're gonna be. I wanna read one more thing and then we're gonna pray. As a pastor, I am committed to teach the word of God to the best of my ability. I am committed to instruct, admonish, and exhort Christians to hold a biblical worldview despite cultural or political pressure. I might also add Christian pressure. This will come at the cost of not always being popular with those in the church and outside the church, but the truth of the gospel needs to be contextualized for our daily lives. The Bible is applicable, infallible, infallible, and trustworthy, and it is the standard of, of, of truth and we must hold to it and not waver. Let's pray. God, right now, in this church, for those who are watching online, anybody that calls himself a member of Northwood Church, Father, I'm praying for all of us. God, that you would do a great work in our hearts right now as a community. Lord, we are in this world and we are not of it, but God, it is a fight. It is a fight to, to stay united, to stay pure, to stay separate. God, we are asking right now that you would help us as people to be in the world, not of it. God, that as, as members of your body, Father, that we would value unity of the spirit above unity in politics or unity of opinion. Father, that we would truly keep the main thing the main thing. And God, right now, if we have been operating in our flesh, God, whether we're a pastor or a member, it does not matter, all of us, Father, we are praying that you would forgive us. If we have operated in emotions that, that led us away from, from pleasing you, God, if there's been gossip, there's been backbiting, Father, we repent. We ask for you to restore every broken relationship. Father, in this time where there's so much tension around what's going on with COVID-19, God, we are praying for your protection physically for all of us. God, we need your protection. God, we are praying for protection psychologically and emotionally. Lord, that you would help us to walk through these days honorably, faithfully. God, give us wisdom as a church on how to proceed, how to navigate the difficult decisions that are being made. God, with all of the, the societal issues that we're facing, God, the racial tension, that it is, is at the forefront of our society. God, we are praying for you to intervene, for God, your perspective to be given to each and every one of us. God, we put aside what the news says about things. 
We put aside what our, even our friends say about things. And God, we all individually look to you right now for wisdom, for tact, for the ability to understand what's going on through a biblical lens. We need you, Jesus. We need your presence. We need your power. We need your perspective. We ask for that right now. If you're watching right now or you're listening and you don't have a relationship with God, I want to pray for you because where he says you need to trust and obey, fear God and obey, that is because of what Jesus has done for you. He died on the cross for your sin, for your shame, to give you a hope and a future. This is why we do what we do, that in this moment, those of you who don't know him would be able to respond to his grace and his mercy. I believe that God is drawing you. It's nothing that I've done. It's nothing that somebody else has done. It's the spirit of God drawing you out of darkness into light. So right now, if that's you, say, God, I, I repent of my sin. I ask that you would forgive me of all unrighteousness. I need you. Forgive me in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. The next verse in Psalm 89 that I read earlier says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's kingdom. It's what his, his, it's what his kingdom is built on, righteousness and justice. And I believe that all of us individually, our lives need to be built upon the righteousness and justice of God. Not our own, right? Come on. Not how we perceive things to be, but to be built upon the kingdom of God. So we're gonna sing this bridge together. And I want you, as we sing this, if God's dealing with you about something, maybe some of the things I said rubbed you the wrong way. It's okay, I rubbed myself the wrong way as well. All right? I upset myself at times. It's not about that. Right now, in this moment, we're all coming to the throne of God saying, Lord, take what we're saying, take what we're experiencing, and God, organize these things and let our lives be built upon you, not our own thing. Y'all with me? Amen, come on, let's sing this.
God, for what you've done in our lives and our hearts this morning. God, we truly, we're putting you first this morning. We're not putting philosophies first. We're not putting systems first. We're not putting mindsets first. We're putting you and your word first this morning, God. So take what you've done in our lives, what we've heard, God, and impress it in our hearts and our minds, God. As we go forward this week, God, we're praying that you would use what we've learned this morning, that you would challenge us, convict us, God, and help us to be more efficient and more available to further your kingdom, God. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey guys, my name's Tom. If you don't know me, I'm the assistant pastor here at Gulfport. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that I was thinking as Pastor Jordan was, was uh, sharing his heart with us, because that's really what he was doing. He was sharing his heart with us. Um, sometimes there's a funny thing that can happen with people, and I do this myself too. Um, the, the more we think that people are known, it's, it's like we, we just assume that people kind of are are rallying around them and saying things that matter to them, like support, encouragement. And and one thing I want to encourage you guys to do is to not just assume that Pastor Jordan has a lot of people saying things to him that are lifting him up. We all lift him up in our actions, but sometimes we need to hear it, you know what I mean? And it's just something that hit me, and it's just something I want to challenge you with, that that if you appreciate what he's been doing for us as a church, that, that he is exhorting us, that he is leading us, that he is protecting us as a local body of believers, just reach out to him this week, all right? Do that simple Facebook message, text him, email him, something like that. Let's rally around him in this difficult time as he's leading our church body. Does that sound good, like something we can do together? All right. Real quick, you know, if, if you pray that prayer with Pastor Jordan that he led us in just a few minutes ago, or maybe you're new to Northwood, maybe you're joining us online and this is your, your first time just experiencing Northwood Church, I want you to invite, I want to invite you to go to northwood.church slash next steps and fill out a quick card there online. What we're gonna do is we're gonna get in touch with you. Actually, I'll be able to get in touch with you um, personally this week. I just wanna help you take your next steps in your walk with Jesus or maybe your next steps here at Northwood Church and uh, just, just help you and kind of rally around with you in that. And also, just as a reminder, there's two ways to give right now, online and mailing it in. The, informa- the information's right in the screen behind me. Everything that we do is, is done um, through faithful giving. So um, uh, just continue to be faithful in that. And last thing we, I got for you guys, I'm gonna get you going here, is, is this Thursday, Friday and Saturday. If you're for, if you're in seventh grade through twelfth grade, that means you're in uh, you're in our Impact Student Ministry, and we are having an amazing thing for Impact students this week. It's called our Northwood Student Intensive. It's going to be an all day thing Thursday, all day Friday, and then uh, joining in on our Serve Day on Saturday. Parents, you don't want your students to miss this. Pastor Jordan was just saying, and and I fully agree, agree with him. As I now have a teenager and I got more kids coming, getting close that teenage age, there are a lot of voices in our culture vying for our teenagers. They're trying, like we need our teenagers to be around like-minded people and having intentional conversations with them, pouring into them. And this weekend, this, this, this three-day intensive for our students is gonna be just that. So let's get them here. It is free, all right? So you have like almost no excuse, right? So let's get them here, get them signed up. It's gonna be a great time. That's all I got for you. Have a great week. Love you guys. See ya.